Hello, hello, and welcome to the Relate Then Educate podcast. This is Erin Patton. This morning, Rick and I got to sit down with Molly Patterson. Uh, she was great. Molly is a sixth grade English teacher in Putnam City, and we were introduced to Molly by Relate Then Educate's own Katie Kinder. Hi, Katie. And Katie was like, this is a powerful lady. You got to get to know her. You got to have her on the podcast. She has quite a voice and quite a perspective. And Katie, as always, wasn't wrong. Molly really is was such a joy to get to know. Now, when I first um, was introduced to Molly, I looked her up and I saw that she has her very own podcast. And so I got to listen to several of those episodes. And what they were all about different things, but what the common thing was that I noticed in every episode was just her openness and honesty and how candidly she shared her life experiences, the good, the bad, and all of it. And so I was really excited to get to talk to her and hear, you know, her raw stories about her years in education too. And she was great. She was really great. Um, Molly has been teaching for three years. So these are her first couple of years of teaching. And we all know what big momentous events those are. And then also, we cannot forget that these past three years, which is every year that Molly's been teaching, all of these three years have been affected in some way or another by the pandemic, which has been an extra added layer of just, ugh, of just, yeah everything that it comes with. So it was, thank you, Molly, for sitting down and chatting with us. And I am very confident that you guys are going to also enjoy this conversation with Molly Patterson. Hey there, Molly. It is great to see you today. It's Rick and Aaron here in Tulsa. Where are you talking to us from? It's great to be here with you guys. I'm here at Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. Great. So Excellent. not too thank far from you. Yeah, yeah, not too far at all. Well, we usually start our Relate and Educate podcast by just getting to know our teachers and to find out what is your why? Why did you start this whole education thing? Right. Um, well, I, I've been an educator now for three years. I graduated college in 2019 from Oklahoma Christian University. Um, I've been a teacher for my three years here at Hefner Middle School in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma State. Putnam City District. Um, and I actually went to Hafner Middle School for middle school and I graduated from Putnam City North. So I'm a product of the Putnam City District, came back, work for them now. Um, and I mean, my why is, like I said, I'm a product of it. I know that public education works when we fund it correctly and when we treat our teachers with respect. And um, I got so much out of my education here at Hefner and Putnam City. So it feels good and weird to be back from where yeah. it all started. <laughs> I bet that does. I bet yeah. that does. I taught in my last school and there were a couple, I didn't go to school there myself, but there were a couple of teachers who did go there and came and they're like, I've been here for 20, 30 years in the same yeah. school. I, my cool. first job was uh, at the elementary and high school where I went to school. And it, it was wow. weird because you go back and you, you see the same teachers that you had. Um, yeah. And you're supposed to be cool with them now. Like, you know, they're your buddies, your, your, your cohorts. <laughs> right. There are people here that were my eighth grade teachers. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, we're just supposed to eat lunch together now. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I might pass or fail my test. I'm getting anxiety again. Are we okay? Do I call you by your first name or are you no, still this term? I, I'm still like Mr. and Mrs. Yes. They're like, you can't call me by my first name. I'm like, that's not possible. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Well, that is great. So what do you love about teaching? I mean, the students, that's the best part about teaching. I love the kids who are just still kids. I mean, there's so many now who just grow up so quickly, but there's still those kids that are just, they love to play outside. They love their teachers. I think sixth grade is that last grade where kids mm -hmm. love their teachers Yeah. and they want to give you hugs and they want to write you little cards and notes. I get so many cards and little drawings throughout the day, which I love. Um, but I do it for the kids because they are, they're the future of everything and they deserve teachers that care about them. And so that's why I do it. I mean, all the other stuff is such background noise compared to the joy of them. Oh, just being with them and those notes. I, even though I'm not teaching this year, I still have, you know, a box oh, yeah. sure as every educator does too, of all of their yes. those meaningful notes and those I mean, their kids have a way, like the kids that you get to know and you form good relationships with. And then those notes, I mean, that it 
reminds you of your why. And it also just like fuels your heart. And so I love, I mean, even still, I go back and I'll look through those notes sometimes if I'm cleaning my house or whatever. And it just, it penetrates my heart. It's just the best. Because yeah. otherwise you don't know. You yeah. just, you, you don't yeah. know. And there's a void there. It's not good or bad. It's just non-existent. And then they okay. can fill your heart just with a few words, just yeah. acknowledging the, you know, your hard work or your, mm. the, the moment where you took a moment to like share with them or, or listen to them. Yeah, did you, exactly. I'm curious, did you have a teacher that showed you the way, like showed you what teaching could be or should be? Yes, but they were never my teacher. My mom, she's been an educator for 22 years now. Uh Um, She was in public ed for 21 years. She's now in private ed. Um, She taught in Putnam City District, like I said, all through her public education years. And she was the prime example of how a teacher should be and loving her kids. And she taught middle school, high school, back to high school. I mean, just a plethora of different grades. And she still has all of her students who contact her all the time. They want to know what Ms. Henson is doing, where she is, what's going on. So she is like the perfect example of a teacher. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. When you, you have parents in it, you get to see all of it. Really. You get to see them exhausted at home. Mm -hmm. You get to see them excited when something happens positive in the classroom or at school. Um, I mean, my, my dad is, he's been out for a long time and his students who are, you know, I don't know, like 60, 70 years old, they're contacting Mm -hmm. him and, and telling him, sharing their heart and, you know, everybody involved is older. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to say old, but they're older, but that, what I'm saying is that never changes. Like whether you're, you're in it for a few years or a a long time, uh, the feeling of, the connection with your students is still mm. valuable. It's still awesome. Last week we went to Bixby. We're doing a professional development stuff with Bixby. And so we went to have a meeting there and that's where I graduated from high school. And oh, so awesome. one of the people that we were there talking to, she looked so familiar to me. And I know I, and she said, I look familiar to her too. And turns out she was one of my high school teachers, like oh a leadership God. thing. And so when she was like, Oh, this just makes my day to get to see you. And I, it was interesting because I feel like that anytime I see any of my former elementary students, my oldest, I've always been in elementary. So my oldest students are like in their early twenties right now. And so anytime I see them, it's just, oh, it just like fulfills you and just fills your heart. And so I was so happy to get to like another teacher be like, enjoy it. Enjoy getting to see your former students. Cause I get it. I see that too. great. Um, okay. So when you first start, you said you've been teaching for three years, right? Yeah. Okay. When you first started, did you feel prepared like from your college, from everything? Tell me about that first year. No, no, <laughs> I simply <laughs> answer. Yeah, absolutely. Not. I mean, sure. Classes can teach you so much. Um, but there is nothing like on the job training for teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember whenever I was getting started, you know, my mom, she was talking to me about classroom management and make sure you need to have a procedure for everything from sharpening pencils to coming into the door from leaving the classroom. And I really didn't take that seriously because I was always just a kid growing up that was quiet kind of did what I was supposed to do. So I assumed, well, everyone's kind of going to be like that. That is not the case. I learned (laughs) very quickly that you have to have procedures for absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I was not prepared. I learned quickly within the first couple of weeks, how to be prepared. And I just kind of had a reset, but those first week teachings was, I mean, it was so hard. I, left days, like, how am I going to be able to do this? Mm-hmm. And especially with middle school, if those kids sense that you're worrying, they will just run with it. So you have to be strong to do middle school. Yes. Yeah. They, they have that, they have that sense. They can smell fear. Yes. They can, yeah, they they can smell, smell incompetence. Fear. They, oh, if you are having a bad day and you're letting them see it, they will just, they're like, here's the knife. Let's yes. twist. Like they just make this worse. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's funny. Well, so how was teaching or still during a pandemic, your entire teaching career has been during a pandemic, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, 
I haven't had a normal year. So I started in the fall of 2019 and then 2020, you know, we didn't come back. And then I didn't, our district didn't start in person in the fall of 2020, we started virtually. So I have not had one year start to finish. That's, that's been real. I guess this year is a little bit, but we've still had the masks, the quarantine, everyone's gotten COVID at different points. Um, so it's been really interesting. The hardest part obviously was the online teaching, mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm a new teacher. I don't really know how to even teach in the classroom yet, let alone online. Um, I definitely saw the learning curve with our older teachers versus our younger yeah. teachers. So I had that advantage to know a little bit more about technology and how kids can learn on there, but it's been challenging. And I think not enough people are talking about the effect it's had on kids and like the transition back to the classroom has been frightening. (laughs) What are you noticing? Talk about that. So I noticed firsthand that kids are now more entitled than anything. Mm -hmm. I think that we spent a year plus at home and, you know, I say this all the time, the kids that were going to do the work, we're going to do the work in class. Those kids kind of had on the borderline that if you have them in class, they might do a little more, but if they're at home, they're not, they have completely lost interest in school. So trying to find ways to make it interesting and not turn school into like just this social aspect is the hardest thing I've seen. A lot of our students just want to come and hang out and they want to make TikToks and they want to be on their iPads and it's hard getting them back from, okay, we did lose a year of school, but like now we're back to it. And like, these are the procedures and what we expect in a classroom setting. Yeah. Just the fundamentals of how to go to school. Like, yes, that's been the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the kids that you have this year, they were what in fourth grade when this whole thing started. So like, they're still operating in fourth grade mode in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. And it it shows, I mean, these kids, the last, the real last year they had was fourth grade fall year, 2019. Um, They missed fifth grade and fifth grade is one of those huge, like that's when they teach them how to switch classes and kind of how to do these responsibilities on their own. So then they're just thrown into middle school with seventh and eighth graders who are grown compared to them. It's been, I've seen, just the maturity levels of all of our kids is so different. Some kids are very ahead and some kids are still very, very low. I'm curious if you, since you're walking through this with your mom, you know, Mm -hmm. she's doing her thing, you're doing yours, but you can communicate to each other what's going on. What are those conversations like? You know, she sees it as well, but hers is so different now in private ed um, because she has dealing more with kids now who are, thinking about college because she's at high school level for a private ed. So these kids are now concerned about their ACTs, their SATs and all that kind of stuff, which is before she never really had that, those conversations with her kids. Um, So she's seeing it, but it's just different. They're more concerned about what her college is going to look at from the past two years versus my kids are like, how do I even walk to the bathroom without losing my way? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's so different, but like the same type of struggles. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. I think back to my first several years and oh my gosh, I loved it. I remember the first day of school, yeah, I awesome. felt, I mean, I was so nervous, of course. And I just felt like deer in headlights the whole time, but I was just so excited. And I had my first group of 20 second graders. And I remember after that day, I called my mom and I wasn't even expecting it. Tears just came and I was like, it was the best day of my life. And I just, it was something I had been looking forward to like my own classroom and my own kids. And so I don't know, I think about that with your first year and you didn't even get to like finish your first year with your kids. And I just, it was, I mean, my first year was as normal of a first year probably as you could be. There wasn't a pandemic or anything and it was still so hard. And so your first three years have been all the new teacher stuff plus yeah. about a million other things too. And I just, I don't know, I guess I want to acknowledge that that's a huge, huge yeah. struggle. So I don't know. How has that been on your heart? I mean, just everything. It's been 
Yeah. I mean, it's been challenging for sure. And like I said, this year in particular has been the hardest year I've ever seen. Um, just because like I said, kids have come back, not used to just being in a classroom setting. And, you know, my, me and my colleagues talk about this all the time. We see more arguing, more fighting. Um, they just don't know really how to talk to each other. So I feel like I'm teaching more just like social emotional skills sometimes because we have to have more days talking about, okay, so you can't just leave the classroom. Okay. So when it comes to this, you can't just want to fight someone. Like we have to have those conversations so much because they've really lost those skills, which just makes it hard on being a teacher because, you know, we have the standards that Oklahoma wants us to teach. And then we have our unit test, of course, every four weeks, because why? Um, and it's like, gosh, they cannot just, they can't stop adding things over and over. So it's been extremely challenging this year for sure. Is it, do you feel like it's in a lot of ways, um, they're trying to do school like it's normal? Yes. And, but it's not. It, it can't be because your relationship with your kids is really, it's dysfunctional at the moment and you're trying to get it back to normalcy, but everybody yeah. else outside of your classroom is like, just do it the way we have always done it. And, and, and we're going to add this new thing too, because why mm -hmm. not in, include something new right now? You know, it seems Absolutely. like a good time to do that. Absolutely. I mean, everyone on a district level who is not in the classroom every day is acting like, well, why wouldn't we do a unit test every four weeks? It's what we've always done. Well, yeah, we may have always done that when there wasn't a pandemic, but things have changed. Yeah. And it's like, why wouldn't we do X, Y, Z with IXL and reading plus? Like it's what we've always done. And I'm like, well, at some point there has to be a conversation that just because it's what's always been done doesn't mean it's what's right now. It's, like the, it's like the voices from the classroom need to be able to penetrate to the upper, you know, the upper parts, the administrative offices to say, Hey, look, it's not normal right now. And we will really want it to be, but it's not. So let's uh, address that and, and at least yeah. acknowledge it. Yeah. Like at least acknowledge it and stop adding on the extra stuff. I mean, I feel like every week there's something new added that I'm just, I just stare at the email, like what? <laughs> <laughs> who said you, this you have an example without you know we don't want you to right you know well I honestly think the okay here's a great one teacher evaluations this year what we're having so we're using the new Tulsa model and uh -huh. it's I don't even understand it but the fact that we are still required to do all of our what are our goals what are we hoping I'm like my goal is to make it through the year my goal is to make sure that everyone makes it out safe every day and that we are attempting school. So the fact that we are still required to do our teacher evaluations and all of that in a year like this is really funny. insane. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, right now, you know, the, the teacher evaluation is to determine whether the, the teacher is competent and whether they right. get you know, invited back the next year and that kind of thing. Uh, that's uh, any school that is in that place, you should have a celebration because yeah, uh, every school absolutely. that we talk to, they have people that have left in the middle of the, of the year, in the middle oh. of the week, you know, so everybody is shorthanded right now. And so, uh, yeah. you know, maybe evaluations take a break this year. That's, that's the general consensus. I mean, we've had seven educators at our school leave in the middle of the year. I, when I was growing up, I never even knew teachers could do that. Right. I didn't know that people could leave in the middle of the year. Um, like I didn't think that was even an option. No, and so <laughs> all of the, all of the schools I've talked to, and I'm on the Putnam city website pretty frequently. I just like to look at the jobs posted and stuff for friends. And every day there's new ones posted. And I'm like a seventh grade math job. Like it's February. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like there's things like that. That's me. I'm just always astonished by. So yeah, teacher evaluations. I'm like, let's just praise the teachers who are here every day, giving their best. Amen. Love Girl. Love yeah, it. absolutely. Okay. So as we know, new teachers are not lasting in this field terribly long, you know, as a whole. And so I don't know what you've been in there for three years. 
what kind of stuff would you say to teachers who, or to incoming teachers, you know, high school students who are thinking about going to college for education? I don't know. What would you say having experienced these last three years? Oh, don't (laughs) run. Um, I mean, it really depends. There has to be so many changes with public education. Like there has to be, first of all, just in my district, we're the largest middle school in our district. And we don't even have places to put kids anymore. We need to redistrict. We need smaller class sizes. Um, Also, if people are going to go to college for education, can they please go for special education? Because there is Mm-hmm. No more special education teachers. I don't see them. Okay. We have shortages in our school. I don't know anyone who I talk to in education departments who are going into special education. I think that's one of the. That? I haven't I, well, heard this. I I knew that there was a shortage, a dramatic <laughs> shortage, and that. Um, well, I talked to uh, a teacher from Nashville, Madeline Frorip, and mm-hmm. she did teach for America, and she just was like inserted into this school uh heading up this special ed program so she had people that had Mm. been in education for years you know underneath her um and that says a lot when a school needs somebody from teach for america to run their special ed program Mm. there's there's a yeah it's it's a national crisis and i think public education needs to be deemed as a national crisis because I don't think people are really aware of what's going on. You know, I, I also have a podcast and I did an episode the other day about public education. And I was saying, you know, we have to get away from telling teachers what they can and can't teach and actually talk about what's really going on, which is the violence, the lack of teachers, the lack of support, um, obviously the pay that's like, that goes without saying that's, that doesn't even need to be talked about anymore because it's been it's so obvious. It's almost laughable. <laughs> Everyone knows. <laughs> I don't even have to mention the pay. Like we know we don't get paid enough. Um, but SPED is right there with it because people aren't realizing these kids are going to have, we have more and more kids each year on an IEP with yeah. some type of learning disability and they need more co-taught classes. Well, we can't have that without more SPED teachers. So it's just, it's going to be a trickle effect. And I think within the next five years, we're going to see a huge fall of public education. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious because I know that you've thought about it. You've obviously thought about it because you, you you explain it eloquently and it's, it's full thoughts, right? So Mm -hmm. what would you change? Is there something, one thing that you would be like, you know what, this may not fix it, but this would help. Four days, work weeks, truly. I think that if we had Monday, Tuesdays in the classroom, Wednesday is a virtual learning day for teachers to get everything and Thursday, Friday in the classroom, that would tremendously change everything. My district did that last year for COVID. We did A days. So we had half the kids Monday, Tuesday and half the other kids on Thursday, Friday. I had never been happier in my teaching career. I got to plan amazing lessons. Mm. It was smaller classes because we had half the kids half the time and the other half. Um, We had a day for actually PLCing and working with our colleagues and talking to them. And it was, I mean, our school just felt happier. And I don't know. It sounds like you had space. Yeah, Yeah, it, it was so nice. And I know people are like, well, that's just not, you know, feasible, but it is feasible. And especially for secondary, I get elementary, that's a little harder, but for secondary education, it's so nice. And we have no time to plan anything. So that I, me and my colleagues talk here, we say the first school district to do four day school weeks, we are running towards like, and talk about retaining teachers. That'll be the best way to retain teachers. No, one's going to want to leave that schedule. And I've, I've thought about and talked to that idea uh, to a lot of people. The fact that right now, if you are a a great administrator and you take care of your people and you love Mm -hmm. your teachers, right. Yeah. And it's a great place to work. Why not just pronounce that mm-hmm. to everybody? Because teachers yeah. would be like, you know what? I'm going to get paid the same either way. Yeah. Why, why not go to a place where I'm nurtured, mm-hmm. I'm taken care of, I'm happy. And I just mm-hmm. feel like it's, it's the, a time where schools could really you know, benefit from just letting everybody know, hey, this, our teachers are happy. Yeah. If you want to be happy too. I would... And that's what I'm saying too. Yeah. Not, we don't hear that a lot. We don't hear a lot of school districts that are like, everyone here loves it. Everyone here is the happiest ever. So I, (laughs) that'd be great to hear more, know where those are. 
Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. So let's talk about this first couple of years. I want to talk about relationships with your students, with parents, with fellow teachers. I mean, all of this stuff, that was something for me because forming relationships with my students was a natural thing for me. I was born to be a teacher, loved being there, but you know, in those first years you still, or I had to at least work, you know, what's appropriate. What's not, I was still, you know, a 22 year old little baby teaching these little kids. And, you know, you just have to work through all of that. And I think, I don't know, how did that look for you? Like even just with the relationships with your students, let's start there. Yes. So I mean, same came into it. 22. I felt like a fish out of water, Mm -hmm. um, especially I, so my first year I did an academic achievement position. So I taught sixth, seventh and eighth. Okay. And oh my gosh, I will never do eighth grade again. They are so grown and scary. And <laughs> I just was afraid of them. Um, I can never do that again, but I love sixth grade. That's what I do now all the time. And they're still, like I said, they're little babies. They're the last grade to kind of On, What babies. subject do you teach? I don't English. Know. English, you said? Yeah. Okay, perfect. All right, continue. Um, so I love my sixth graders, but the hardest thing I think was gaining their respect Um, because I think they viewed me a lot as just this young, cool, older sister figure. And I had to learn how to be stern because that is very hard for me. I like to just hang out with them, get to Uh know what's going on. And I had been babysitting and like hanging out with kids forever. So now I have to be like teacher, teacher. Yes. A little bit different. The first time I ever had to discipline a kid, I was like apologizing. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm not sorry. You just cussed me out. Like, you know what? I, I'm not sorry. That's fine. Um, but well, how took- has that, how have you seen growth in that then? Cause like the first year that is, like you said, you cry when you get oh, on to kids, you don't know what you're doing. Yes. How has that changed for you? Oh, now I'm just as, I don't care. Now I'm just like, oh, <laughs> oh, get out, go. Yeah. Like, I'm just so stern with it. Yeah. And I don't give them any wiggle room that, cause that's, like I said, with middle school mm-hmm. that they're just looking for that. They feed off of that. So like the first time I saw my mom, she's so funny. She would always say this. You got to make an example out of one kid. The first week of school, she's like, you got to pick on one kid. And it's kind of true because I picked one kid at the beginning of the year. I'm like, Oh, phone, go to the office. There was no warning. There was nothing. And all the other kids were scared. They were like, yeah, let's get us in our phone to the office. And I was like, yeah, you're right. right. So I got to make an example that first week, like, Oh, let's call home together. Come on during lunch. We're going to just call it out. And I'm, I have no problem saying like, we're going to call mom together at lunch and we'll just sit down and hash it out. So I've definitely come a long way from that first year of being timid. Now I'm like very, very with them. And I found a good balance of joking with them in the hallway and kind of coming into class. And then when we start our bell work, we are in teacher okay. mode there. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. I, when I first started teaching, I got that same, um, advice. Yeah. And it, it, they, they termed it as you, you got to shoot a host, hostage in the first week mm-hmm. you gotta shoot a hostage. and you know, it's funny. It's all in fun, but it's true because when they know you're serious, and they have evidence of that. It's like, you're proving your competence. Like, I know, uh-huh. I know this game. I know how this works. And they're like, yeah. okay, now we know the edges of our, our boundaries. Exactly. <laughs> now right. they know that I will punish you. And yeah. I always apologize to that kid after I'm like, look, I've only known you three days. Like I had to do it. <laughs> um, but I'm like, you just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Like it yeah. just, I had to make an example and you just were the one. Lucky you. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Well, that's great. How did you do with like, I don't know, you know, discipline issues or sending kids to principal or anything like that. That was so hard for me. My first year, I just was like, I, I, cause I felt like if I don't handle this myself, I'm going to look incompetent. Yeah. So I wouldn't reach out for how help. And cause I want, I was like, well, I'm not just going to send every kid to my principal. If the event happened in my classroom, we should be able to figure this out. And, but in doing so, I don't know, I think I didn't ask for help as much as I should have. And I was just handling things as, you know, just not with very little knowledge of what I'm doing. Well, I think too, my first year, I was the same way. I didn't want to ask for help. And I was kind of just tackling everything head on until finally, you know, a teacher friend of mine was like, you gotta, 
utilize your buddy teacher and utilize the principles and utilize those checks and all that kind of stuff, because like, those are there to help you. But I've come to a good balance now. Like my sixth grade principal, he's the best principal I've ever worked with. Um, he knows me well enough to know that if I'm sending a kid, it's because things have gone down. Like it's, It's for real. I will utilize my team of teachers that I'm on here. We have this such a strong team and we have a male teacher on our team. So he handles a lot of the inner team discipline. So if we're having a problem with a kid, we'll be like, all right, get your stuff and go across the hall. And they know it's going down. So it's good for teachers to have someone that they can send kids to for maybe just a holding room. Mm-hmm. And then me and another teacher on our team, we do a lot of lunch detentions, um, but we'll just hold kids and our lunch detentions are really just talking to them. Like, why did you do this? What could we have done better next time? Here's your consequence tomorrow. We're going to try it this way. And we always start off the next day on a fresh slate, which is the hardest thing to do because at 25, I'm still very emotional about things. Yeah. Well, and we're so they're human. We're human. Yes. We got, we're mad or we're hurt or something. Yes. There are some days a kid will come in after just pissing me off the day before. And I'm just looking at them like this. It's a new day, but man, do I still hate you. <laughs> it's hard. Why do but, I hate you right now? Yeah, like, I love you, but man, do I hate you. Like, I'm just praying to God they stay home that day. They never do. Those kids are never gone. Yeah. But here's the thing about that, and and I think that is missed by a lot of people outside of education. We're teaching them how to be human beings as as we exist in in a group, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, at school is a little bit weird. I mean, after you graduate from high school, college, you don't necessarily have to be in a room with 30 other people that you don't really care to be mm-hmm. in, right? <laughs> but it's a good proving ground to say, look, this is life. We have to live together. We have to work together. Your rights are don't trump anybody else's. And yep. by you as a teacher, you know, being honest and be, be like, you know, I'm still, I'm still upset at you, which is fine to yeah. say to a kid, I'm still upset at you, but we are starting a new day today. But okay. it, yeah, and, and just showing yeah. that that is possible. That's how you do it. You know, that's kind of an elevated way to live your life. Yeah, um, I that. You know, not based in emotion. Yes. I yeah. love that. That's great. I do like that. Um, another first year thing that just popped in my mind is I remember um, my very first meet the teacher. So like two days before school starts, you know, and I'm meeting all of my kids and I'm so excited. And there's, you know, all these adorable little babies coming in there and I'm taking their pictures and they're meeting their new like teacher who doesn't even look that much older than them. And there was this one mom who comes in my room and she like looks at me really stern and she just starts crying and walks out the room. And I was just like, What's happening? And kind of find out she had gone to the principal's office and was like, my kid cannot be in a new teacher's classroom. And she was throwing a huge fit. And I hear this afterwards from like other teachers, like, did so-and-so come into room? Was she okay? Did she, what did she say to you? Like, they were all worried about how she was treating me because apparently she was like really up in arms or whatever. Right, right. But I guess it was good that I wasn't aware of how upset she was because I was just still just, just <laughs> smiling and like, oh, I'm so yeah. glad to meet your kid. But anyway, we worked a lot that, that year and her kid did struggle academically. So I could see why you would be concerned right. that your kid is, you know, going to be in a class with a teacher who's not very experienced, but I don't know. We worked together a lot. And by the end of the year, the last day of school, she cried again, but she cried because she was so sad that her son was leaving my room. So I don't know, those first year relationships can be quite a doozy. I feel like even with parents, cause you're just like always having to prove yourself and yes, I don't yes. know. That's been hard. I've definitely, I still have not overcome my fear of parents. I will say that. And I think that takes the longest to overcome mm-hmm. um, because I hate calling home and I've tried to balance it out with calling home more this year about good things. I'll email yes. about good things and kind of try to build a good relationship first, but it's hard if, because no parent wants to hear that their child messed up that day. Like no one wants that. And, you know, I've been met with challenges. I've been met with parents who don't believe what I'm saying. And at that point, it's like, well, I was the adult in the room. 
I w- I'm not gaining anything by lying about this. And they'll say, well, he said he didn't do it. I'm like, well, of course he did because he doesn't want to lose his Xbox. Like, let's look at the common ground here. (laughs) I I have not overcome my fear of that. I still get anxious and I will not call home without someone with me um, just because I... I get so worked up. I just don't want, I I'm such a people pleaser. I don't want these parents to hate me, but at the same time, it's like, you have to know what's going on. Like, I can't just let your kid bully someone and not call you. Like I have to tell you. That's, that is so hard because you don't, you, it's hard to embrace the authority that you have as a classroom teacher. Like you have the authority to call home. Right. And let them know, like, you don't have to like check off on this. This is what happened. I'm just letting you know. And, right. and maybe we, we work toward a better place, but, uh, being comfortable with the amount of power that you have in the classroom is a trip. It, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's um, hard. and then knowing like, it's hard to understand where a parent might be coming from. You know what yeah. I mean? Because if like, I remember, man, 22, 23 years old. And I was like, I don't have kids. I, yeah. I, I barely know how to teach. And I'm going to tell them about their son <laughs> who's bullying. And exactly. What, exactly. What, why would I be the one to do this? <laughs> this is crazy. But, yeah. you know, it, it the, that comfortable feeling of addressing a parent comes with a lot of experience and age, not a little bit, a lot. Yeah. Um, it is hard. Yeah. It is hard. And th- that's a great point to unique about kids. A lot of parents will ask me, you know, we just had parent teacher conferences and they'll say something like, you know, with your kids at home. And I'm like, I am not married, nor do I have kids. So like, I, you know, it's hard for me to relate on some of these things. I can only tell you what I have seen in the classroom. Then that's up to you, whatever punishment you want to do. Like sometimes parents will ask, well, what would you do? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, up to me, my kid would live in a bubble and have no social media, no cell phone. (laughs) Perfect solution. Clearly we're not on the same page with that. So like you handle it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that I found from like being a parent Mm -hmm. is I found that, you know, when you're a young teacher and you're calling a parent, you don't understand that they're, they're embarrassed Mm -hmm. or maybe they had a horrific, uh, school experience and all that baggage is going to come back on you who has you're disassociated from all that but that's their experience and so they're going to uh, just assume that you're a terrible person Um, knowing what's in their head is it's impossible but uh, it's also it kind of gives you a pass like look they're really mad at me they seem very upset I didn't do anything to deserve this and it's not really my fault like uh, clearly they have some things going on yeah. Um, and it maybe releases you a little bit from like, I, I did not cause this, mm-hmm. right? That's it true. was already there. I just maybe ripped off the bandaid. Yeah, you know? no, that, that, that's true. That's good to remember too, because everyone has their own experience with, with education and it's true. It sometimes things can be triggering and bring up old things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I think I have had a couple parents who, were not diagnosed with different learning issues. And then they kind of like what you're saying, and then their kids, you know, we know more, we know so much more now. And so we're able to identify a lot more things. And so I've had parents who like in the middle of an IEP meeting will kind of be like, holy shit, like this sounds so familiar to what my experience was, but then sometimes it is almost a more combative thing because there it's a protective thing. Like it's, it's a, I don't know, a shame that they're, that they have felt their childhood. And then now they are seeing that placed on their kid. And I don't know. And it's just so different too, because knowledge is power. And the more we know about your kid, the more we really can best be there and help your child. But I don't know, of course, it's hard for parents to see big picture. I mean, they're, these are their babies, their babies. And that's what I always have to remember. And what my mom tells me and everything, these are their whole world. They are trusting me every day with their whole heart. So, I mean, when I think about it like that, I'm like, wow, like these Mm -hmm. kids, like every single person that sits in my classroom is someone's everything. So that kind of changes the conversation too, because I'm always looking out for their best interest because I know someone in their life, whether that's a guardian, a mom, a grandma, a friend, like is thinking about them all day. And it's like, they are in Ms. Patterson's classroom 
And so that kind of helps change it too. Cause you know, everyone has someone who is like, this is their everything. Yes. Oh, that is powerful. That is powerful to teach, to like, look at every single kid as this, you know, somebody's pride and joy and perfect like that. That's great. That's really good. Well, be, being able to see yeah. that in, in a conversation, yeah. like if I'm sitting across from a parent, I know that I'm talking about a student, one student in my class. Yeah. They're talking about their mm, everything, everything, right? The and, and they're not, they're not just, it's not just th- that kid mm. at that moment. It's, they remember that kid as a baby. Mm. They project yeah. that that kid will be a mom or a dad someday. They're mm. looking at the whole thing. So yeah. acknowledging the fact that, look, maybe we can't talk productively past each other, but we need to talk about this specific thing yeah, um, so that we can at least have a framework for a discussion. Because we all, I mean, teachers and parents want the same thing. We all want these students to be successful and we want them to leave having the best experience. No one wants their kid coming home crying every day, which in middle school happens a lot, (laughs) but no, no one wants that. We all want, and that's kind of the base work I make with parents. I say, we and you want the same goal. We want them to succeed and we want them to have friends and be social and just be a normal kid. We all want yeah. that. Yeah, That's yeah. good. Mm. I bet even just acknowledging that, I think that would calm a lot of parents, you know, yes. just to present that we, I want to be here for your kid. I'm on team, whatever kid's name is. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. I think that's good. Okay. So do you care if we get like little, not like too personal, but like talk about personal life stuff. I've loved, I've gotten to listen to several episodes of her podcast, been there with Molly Patterson. And and I haven't gotten to listen to your public school episode. I saw that it was on there, but I haven't listened to it yet, but I've loved, you are so candid and open and you have such a good way of expressing your thoughts and feelings that I'm like, been there, been there. Like, it just feels like you have said, you're saying things that my heart has felt and that my brain has thought. And so I'm so thankful that, you know, for your voice and that you're out there, I think you're providing a valuable thing for everyone. So I don't know. Um, you're in your mid twenties, you are not married. You said, right. So dating as a teacher that I didn't get married until I was 30. So I dated as a teacher for a long time too. How is that? Well, first of all, the the schedule's great for it because I have summer and Uh I have my breaks and everything, but I would like not even date during the school year very much. It would mainly just be during the summer. I'd like get on an app and like do that during what (laughs) I find with people I date is they just don't get it. They think every day I'm just coming in my little schoolgirl uniform and just going to, you know, run on the board and just going to pat some kids' heads. And I'm like, no, like there was a brawl today at school. There was a fight. There was blood everywhere. There were kids arrested. Like you don't get the day to day. Like I'm not just a teacher. I'm this, 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 this. So sometimes people just don't get it. I mean, they'll be like, how was your day? And I'm like, horrible. And they're like, how could it be so horrible? horrible. You're, you're a middle school teacher. I'm like, Oh honey, it's that you just said it. I'm a middle school teacher. Yeah. I'm yeah. not, I'm not first grade and I'm not seniors. Mm-hmm. I am hard in the trenches, yeah. sixth and eighth grade. You're neck deep in hormones. Yes. I'm like, do you not remember how you were in sixth grade? Yeah. Every day you're a different person. You are Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. You are someone different. And within two seconds, a kid will yell at me. And then he's like hugging on me two seconds later, like, I love you. So, I mean, they just dating as a teacher is the hardest thing. Cause they just don't get it. And what about have- like, say that last part again. And you just have to accept it that they yeah. don't get it. Yeah. yeah. What about like the time constraints with dating too? Because that was something that was always hard. Cause I'm like, well, no, I can't do anything during the week. Like I'm oh. freaking exhausted <laughs> and I have to wake up at this time to make sure I have this ready. And like, there's just, there's no dating in the week. Yeah. I, I am dead tired when I get home yeah. and then I have to go. So I, the only way to really keep my mental health afloat is I work out a lot after school and it is a great nice. stress reliever yeah. for me. It's my like I'll do Pilates and I'll do cardio and it's so relaxing. So I have to make that a priority. Mm-hmm. I have my shows that I watch every night to help decompress me. I watch Abbott elementary is my everything. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. I have 
I have to have my shows. And then by then it's like nine o'clock. Well, I have to go to bed because I wake up at 530. So it's just like, there's yeah. no day yeah. of the week. No time even, for men, please. Even Sunday nights. I'm like, well, Sunday, that's a school night. So yeah, I'm in bed exactly. again. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. just, people don't get teacher tired. No. Right. That's so true. Can, can we go back for just a second? So you work out mm-hmm. every day. Every and, day. Okay. Every day. And explain to us how you've built that into your schedule, because that is a part of self-care is automating the system so that you don't have to make the choice. You're just yes. doing it and it happens. So how do you do this? So my school, we get done every day at two 30 cause it's middle school. So I'm out of here every day about three. Um, and I live thankfully 10 minutes from my site. So I go home, I'll make a protein shake. And then every day at four 30, I take a Pilates class. So it is already set up in my schedule. I go to the same 4.30 class every single day. Um, I have the same instructor, same group. It is so relaxing. And then about three times a week, I'll go with my mom to her gym or we'll take a walk around the neighborhood. My mom lives next door to me. Fun fact. Oh, wow. That's great. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love it. <laughs> so we do a lot of things together, but I just, no one can come between that 4.30 to 5.30 time because if I miss more than two days of work, working out, I feel it in my head and it's my only time to relax. My phone's on do not disturb. Also, I, this year is the first year I've ever done this. When I am not in my contract hours, I do not open my laptop. Mm. I do not check it because I am only paid by the state of Oklahoma, very, very few dollars during those contract hours. So I'm not going to get overtime by checking my email at four o'clock. So I don't do it. Um, and I think a lot more teachers need to learn that, like you are not getting a Christmas bonus. You are not getting a summer bonus for doing that. So why would you, mm-hmm. um, so like, yeah, whenever I am not at school, I am not at school. And Good. Do, oh my goodness. I'm a huge advocate. Like you are given personal days every year. So use them. Use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to New York city this Friday to visit some friends. So I'm like, I'm using a personal day. I will not be there. I will be in New York city. So I'm like not having school on my mind, right. you just have, <laughs> I'm like every other job in America gives you however many days a year and they leave those jobs and don't think about it. So like, why should it be different for teachers? Yes. It's very, very hard, um, to do that, to, to walk away without feeling guilt for whatever reason. And we're trying to identify that. Mm-hmm. Like, why yeah. is that? Why do you feel that guilt? Why do you feel guilt when you're sick? You're legitimately sick and you don't want to go to the pharmacy because you don't want anybody to see you outside of your house on a sick day. Like that may not be you, but that was me. Oh, absolutely. No, that was me when I I had COVID in January um, and fully vaxxed and boosted. And I still felt horrible for getting COVID. And I was like, we're in a pandemic and I am crying every day because I had to leave my kids for a week because I legally can't go up to the school. Right. Like it's insane to me, the teacher guilt we feel for being sick with a disease. Like it's just crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's uh, weird. Uh, but I think if we discuss it and we identify what it is, then we can get past this because it's yeah. not terminal. I don't think, you know, uh, it, ha- it has to be like this, mm-hmm. but uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is right now for sure. It is. And you're right. I think just talking about it and like the term working your contract hours, like that is something we are hearing over and over and people encouraging teachers to do that and how that's so very important. And we went to a school a couple of weeks ago and it's an elementary public Montessori school. And we, we were asking something about the principal, like, oh, could we ask her something? And they're like, oh, well, she's gone because the principal has even set the precedent that after 3.30 or whatever time it was, like, this is your time. Y'all don't need to be at school. Yeah. Go home. And that the I, principal's setting that. That's, and the principal is yeah. telling the teachers, you got you to gotta get out of here. Yeah. You got to get out oh. of here. So it's going to be a cultural thing, mm-hmm. right? It has to be a cultural thing. If I get a remind message from our principal on the weekend <laughs> or after our contract hours, I'm angry. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, you have now disrupted my time that I'm not thinking about this. Yeah. yeah. So I get it. It's, it has to be a cultural thing. It has to be like, go home. Don't check your email. Lock, we're locking the school up. Bye. Yeah. That's good. I needed that because 
I was the one sending emails at 11 o'clock midnight, one thirty. Oh. like just like, cause that's, I just, if I'm not doing it, then when am I going to get it done? You don't have time to do it at school. And, well, so- and then that's not, and then that's not your problem either. That's the problem with the whole education system. And that's my, been my thing this year. I'm like, if you guys want me to do X, Y, Z, then you make the time for me to do it during my contract hours. Good. Correct. Yeah. That's yeah. And there's another principle to that as well. If a teacher or if a parent uh, emails you on a Saturday at five o'clock PM mm-hmm. and you respond mm-hmm. uh, anytime during the weekend, you're training them to be okay. like, well, that's okay. Like they'll respond. Yeah. But if you don't respond till Monday at eight 30, you've training them there too. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to respond to this outside of school hours mm-hmm. uh, because once they feel like they can contact you anytime, mm-hmm. they will. And they, they will, will. They'll call you. They'll call you on your cell phone. Oh, they'll Facebook message you. Yeah. They will. I've had it all. I've had Facebook messages. I've had Instagram messages. And I'm like, this is my private account. So do you just not respond or what do you do? So I am friends with parents on Facebook because mm-hmm. I totally want to keep up with my kids. But if a, I've had parents in the past reach out to me like, hey, I emailed you. I really need to know about conferences. This next. I'm like, I'll get the email when I get the email. Like you actually, now that you've messaged me on Facebook, I'm determined to not get to this email. Now I'm not reaching out to you. But, um, you know, sometimes there's been emergency situations they need to get a hold of their kid right then and there. That's been like one-off situations. But for the most part, if a parent reaches out to me on social media about something school-related and they've sent me an email, that's when I'm just, you are now disturbing my peace. Disturbing my peace. My my peace. I like that. Disturb my peace. I love it. That's good. Okay. Something I have not talked about with anyone else, I don't think, but I'm going to ask you because you're young and gorgeous yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But okay. One thing that I think back into early years is the disgusting comments from like, Oh, I didn't have a teacher like you when I was in whatever grade or, Oh, if I had a teacher, like what, like the sexualizing of female teachers is so freaking disgusting. I hate it. Yeah. What have you seen? Everything. Wow. My middle school teachers didn't look like you when I was growing up. Or if I would have had a middle school teacher like you, I would have paid attention more. This is me. Block, delete, gross. Don't talk to me. And it's just, it's a whole thing. No one really talks about when it comes to single young public teachers. And it's just, disgusting. Like people will say the most outlandish things and they're like, wow, what lessons are you going to teach me? Can we have a parent teacher conference? I'm just like, this is Lord. And it's actually, I'd say eight times out of 10, I get something like that. Yeah. And are these from like strangers online or who, where are you? (laughs) Yeah. Through like dating apps. Okay. That stuff. Yeah. Through just a DM on Instagram or something. Um, just I mean, it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's insane. And honestly too, during parent, te- no one's ever said anything outlandish in parent teacher conferences, but I think about it sometimes when we have some single dads come up, I'm like, I need another yes. teacher here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I did. It wasn't like so gross that it made me like, I need to get out of this situation. But there was a scenario at a parent teacher conference where it was a single dad. Cause I had like a conference with mom and then a conference with dad. Right. And like, he was saying stuff like the, well, if you were my third grade teacher, then man, yes. I should be. And, and then I'm uncomfortable. So all I do is just laugh and just, right. <laughs> but like, you? no, that's not okay. okay. That's, no. I don't know. And then it, and then it makes me mad because so many times when that happens, like you're so shocked that you don't even respond properly. So they get away with it. And right. It's, it's a whole cultural thing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't understand it. I just am looking for a simple, that's great. I hope you like it. Like, I'm just, this is just my career. It's nothing to be romanticized or sexualized. Right. It is just what I wake up every day and do. Just like you're an engineer, just like you work at a bank. I'm not going to say, well, if I had a bank teller like you, I would have given more money (laughs) to the bank. Like what? That makes no sense. That was weird. Wow. I I had no idea that was a thing. Oh, it's. And it's, it's a gross thing. It ha- I mean, yeah. all my teacher colleague friends who are in there, we have a, we have a lot of younger teachers here at this school and they experience it all the time. Just yeah. all of us are like, who, where do people find the nerve to say this? No kidding. 
no kidding. And then there were some single dads who like would like, it was just kind of understanding when you have a conference with that person, there will always be the principal in there with you because, which is good because you can't, I don't know. You have to protect your teachers. You have to protect your teachers and not put them in uncomfortable situations where men feel like they can say nasty ass shit. Weird things. Weird things. I agree. Gross. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So we talked a little bit about the really the huge paychecks that we get and how we're just rolling the dough as teachers. A million. Yes, absolutely. Get paid like we should be. But that Rick and I talked about this on a couple podcasts ago. My financial situation was awful and it was putting me in a really horrible, scary mental place because I was just sinking and drowning. So many times I was paying my mortgage, my car payment, you know, just all the stuff that you pay and then getting paid on this tiny little salary, plus like trying to have a social life and doing all this stuff. I mean, my finances were such a huge stressor for me. And in fact, they were a huge stressor for me until I found my husband and married him, which is not okay. That teachers Mm -hmm. should not be able to live comfortably if they're not married. Right. I don't know. What do you feel about that? Um, well, thankfully for me, I haven't, there have been things that I haven't been able to do with, with my friends and stuff because, you know, I just don't, can't afford it. I bought a house in 2020. Um, and I think my locked in at like 2.1%, like I locked in so low, I bought it for great price. Um, and I also graduated college with very minimal debt. Um, I haven't been paying on that because I need Joe Biden to fulfill his promise to me to cancel that. Here, I've been here. talking about that. I'm like, come on, need you to do this for me. Um, but I live pretty, you know, within my means. Okay, um, but I know that if I want to have kids in a family, I need someone who's making twice as much as me. Like, there's no way that I could support a husband and a kid with what I do now. And like, that's insane. Also, I tell people all the time, people say, you know, well, you start off like, sure. The minimum payment of a teacher is fine. If you're 22 single, just yourself, that's fine. It's the no growth. It's the fact that there's no, there's no raises here. Like normal people who work normal jobs for 10, after 10 years, they're, they've been increasing their salary Mm -hmm. by so much each year. They're maybe making double well in education, like that is not true. Like that is just, you pretty much just make the same salary with a little bit extra each year. And some years, like whenever the teacher walkout was happening, we didn't even get our step raises. So it's like, people don't get like, you are just making what you're making pretty much forever. Yeah. yeah. And that's why uh, teachers, especially in Oklahoma, and there are other places like my wife and I moved to Arkansas, Fayetteville, Arkansas area. Okay. And we made a lot more money like a lot more money. And, yeah. and by the way, I got a Christmas bonus every year. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Dang, I don't even know what that means here in Oklahoma. It was bonkers. And we were like, I can't believe they just gave me a check uh, for <laughs> Thanksgiving as for Christmas. Nice. And I was like, I-, I couldn't believe it. Um, but we moved wow. back home, you know, to the Oklahoma area in Tulsa. And I took a $12,000 pay cut uh, from moving two hours West in Oklahoma. And, you know, what Aaron and I had talked about was, you know, my wife is an elementary school counselor. I was a high school teacher and a a basketball coach. And there were times when I would go get groceries on Sunday and I'd be like, I'm worried I don't have enough in my checking account. Me so many times. Yeah. And and I was 40 and I was like, that that's not okay. Like I can't do this because now I'm looking at, okay, I only have a few more years, years to work. I need mm-hmm. to make sure my family is okay. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that was a huge stressor mm-hmm. for me. Huge. Huge. I, I could totally relate to that. I mean, it's just, I don't know really what it's going to take for the state of Oklahoma to realize that they're putting teachers more and more each year in the poverty line. Like they're just not going to have any teachers. And I, like I said, I think that within the next five years, it's going to be, uh, it's the bottom's going to fall out. And mm-hmm more and more teachers are leaving because they're getting better paying jobs because people, every company loves teacher skills. I mean, we have the best multitasking skills ever. 
So what the best people, right? People that you can find because we can handle anything that comes down the pike. Anything. Right. Yeah. So companies recognize that and they'll compensate us for that. And once districts and Oklahoma lawmakers and just ugh, the, the trash that is Oklahoma stuff realizes that when they realize that there's no teachers left, maybe then they'll start giving teachers better salaries and bonuses and, you know, but I also don't have any faith in that in this state. So I'm, I try not to be too optimistic. <laughs> I feel like we're on the precipice of not just, you know, once we lose all of these people that really love kids mm-hmm. and, and want to teach when those people have vacated the, the, uh, you know, the profession, you right. will be left with people. Well, there yep. will be people, <laughs> but they're not going to be the people you want with your kids. And oh. the, the whole educational system is teetering right now. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. Ah, uh, way to bum me out guys. Yeah, sorry. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. No, it's just where you live it every day. Yeah. We do every single day. Okay. Well, you have been so I'm not closing down just yet. I just want to say okay. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so open with us. Yes. Um, okay. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. What makes you miss Molly, a good teacher? Definitely. You are, I can already tell. Oh, you are a good teacher. Thank you. Um, definitely my energy. I believe I have pretty good energy with the kids and with my staff members. And, um, I always come to school in a positive attitude. Now, does it stay that way sometimes? (laughs) But I always come with a positive attitude. I have here in sixth grade, I have my best friends working with me. So like it makes the day. Uh, Um, But my energy, yeah, that's what makes me a great teacher. I mean, am I the smartest teacher ever? Probably not. I have to look up a lot of things before I teach it again, because I'm like, (laughs) I forgot. Um, But I make things fun for them. And I can talk with them and they know that I genuinely care about each of them and I don't yell or anything like that. So my energy definitely makes me a good teacher. I am grateful that your kids have you truly like that's a gift that they get to have Miss Patterson this year. That's such a great thing. Um, what do you love about teaching? I mean, like I said, the kids, I love them. I love little notes, little cards. Um, I love just their stories when they come in from the weekends and what they're going to do this weekend. And now I deal with a lot of girl drama in sixth grade. So I love whenever they come to me and they're like, this boy likes this girl. And what should I do about it? And I have to be like a therapist. Um, <laughs> that's when I turn into like the older sister and like, girl, I have a sister. So I have two sisters. I have a sister in eighth grade and I have a sister that's a sophomore in high school. Oh, wow. So I, yes, I'm very closely related to these kids now to the middle schoolers yeah the middle schoolers um so I turn into like that big sister figure whenever a girl comes in crying from lunch because her boyfriend sat with another girl and wanted to hold her hand and we have a school dance coming up this week so I'm already putting on my armor of therapy because I know whenever the school dances the girls are just they're like he wants to go with her not me and I just have to be that (laughs) like okay guys we're 11 like it's okay but it's so good that they have you who is yes. taking their problems seriously and who is yeah. like, yeah, this, this sucks. This sucks. Or you remember how badly them. that kind of stuff. Sucks. Yeah. I have to tell them. I'm like, I get it. I've been there. I was, I remember sitting at the school dance feeling insecure. Like we all, we've all gone through it and it gets better. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So if you had about one minute with your former self, like right before you're about to walk into your first classroom of teaching, what, what are some things that that young Mrs. Patterson or Miss Patterson would need to hear that you've kind of learned over these last three years that you can just pour into yourself and be like this, this is what you need. But you only have 60 seconds. Oh yeah. So you have <laughs> okay. Well, in 60 seconds, I would tell her very quickly that do not worry about the content, the unit test or anything like that. The kids will learn what they need to learn. It, it's middle school. They will understand, worry more about your management, your control of the classroom, your relationship with the kids and the parents, and that will carry you through the year. That love it. That's great. I will quote that. That's good. (laughs) Okay. And then is there anything in normal life? It can be teacher related or it doesn't have to be, but normal life, anything you're consuming right now that you're really enjoying. Like I have been on a kick listening to Leon Bridges, like 
just oh, Leon Bridges on repeat, all of his stuff, his song with Noah Cyrus, Miley's mm-hmm. little sister. So oh, please. It's just, Amazing. I don't know. I've been, I get on kicks and right now I am on a Leon kick right now. Well, I'm on several kicks. Okay. I'm on a love is blind kick. I'm on a euphoria. I love. Did euphoria. you say love is blind? Yes. Love is blind. Just caught up. Just it's- caught up yesterday. I, well, I mean, as teachers, we have to have those guilty pleasures yes. that we indulge in. I, I'm a huge podcast person. I listen to girls got to eat podcasts. That's mm-hmm. the gals go podcast. So there's like, I consume so much content in the day. I think honestly, just to like kind of numb myself after what has, if there's been crazy days at school, yeah. I'm like, I just need to watch love is blind and sit there and just watch someone else's problems for a little bit. <laughs> I love you. Absolutely. <laughs> what I consume. <laughs> What about you, Rick? What are you consuming? Um, I one thing that calms me down, like oddly enough, like on my playlist on Spotify, uh, Snow Patrol. Mm-hmm. Like that does calm me down. Oh, okay. Like it's it's good medicine, for it's whatever good. reason. Um, yeah, I love those guys. So that, that that's been good for me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, cool. Well, Molly plug your podcast so everyone can listen to it yes it's called been there with molly patterson i'm your host each week molly patterson and it is on spotify apple anywhere you can find a podcast um there's like 15 episodes out right now really good like i think anyone could get stuff out of it it's just good Um, like human to human relationship it is it's supposed to be it's called been there because it's about things we've all been through so i interview my friends family therapists i just have a lot of solo episodes um i talk a lot about mental health i talk about relationships dating and pretty much everything that I've gone through in my life. So, um, it's really good. I think they're, like you said, there's an episode for everyone. So follow and I have an Instagram and everything. So I'd love you guys to come along the journey with me. Good. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can like, and follow us on Instagram at relate then educate. And then on Twitter at relate then educ one, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please follow us and leave a review. And teachers, we really want to hear from you. We want you on our podcast. We want you in our book. We want you in interviews. We want to hear your stories. Your stories are so very valuable. Something that you have to say could really help someone else in a similar situation. So teachers, please remember you are worthy, you are valuable, and you are loved.